This is the old Doctor Who show, episode number 67, Delta and the Bannerman. Go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. You couldn't control my mind before, and you certainly can't control it now. Would you like a jelly, baby? The TARDIS, when working properly, is capable of many amazing things. Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field. Well, the TARDIS is more than a machine. It's going to be like a first. Resulting reaction is finding. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You guys, whoever had their headphones on were too tight. You had the volume too loud. I just blew your eardrums out. This is the uh, old Doctor Who show, your classic tri-weekly Doctor Who review podcast. Uh, hope you're doing well. My name is Eric. And I'm uh, Dan. Yep. And that's Glad to it. hear you guys again. That's not yeah, what we're doing. Two I'm of not us. hearing you guys. No. Well, you could be hearing them. There could be a couple of these weirdos <laughs> that are uh, poking outside your window there uh, with, with one of those cups with the strings on the end of it. Did anyone actually ever do that in real life where you tried to... Yeah. Never, I, I remember never, trying it as a kid, and it never worked. Never worked. I don't even know how we were told about that, but that was something that you automatically know. Like, I can't think of any media uh, or TV shows or something where they were like, "Oh, let's talk this way." But I knew how to do Probably it. Probably car- cartoons, I guess. I'm going to guess cartoons. cartoons. That's where I got most of my information from. I just remember people getting hit with hammers uh, in the the Bugs Bunny suicide episode, which always sticks with me. <laughs> You're familiar with that, right? I'm not crazy. It's the one with the no. tortoise and the hare. Uh, where Bugs Bunny races the uh, tortoise, and uh, the tortoise eventually wins, and then all of the rabbits kill themselves at the end of it. That's actually how it ends. This is a true story. You can look it up. And I remember seeing that, but now uh, in subsequent you know, replays of it, they cut the end out because it was super dark. I mean, come on. It was like, you know, a lot of that times it was a, we were just getting over World War II. That was like the 40s or it was during the war. It was a dark time uh, and there were dark cartoons. Tex so Avery was the best. to lighten the mood with dark cartoons. That's yeah, fantastic. I think that I was a Tex Avery cartoon as well. He's he's one of the best. Maybe, maybe it's not. You can correct me uh, uh, at home. You can send me an email. And say that uh, you're not really a Tex Avery fan because you got that one wrong. But I think it might be Tex Avery. Dan, how are you? How have you been these last two weeks? I've been all right. Uh, been, a, been a little sick. But other than that, so if uh, if the energy is not there today, um, the uh, adrenaline is kicking in, folks. Yeah, and I will, I will add, it's very strange. Dan and I never talked about being sick. I'm also sick. And I've also been sick for several weeks. And it's not going away. And so I feel terrible. Uh, to be honest, maybe that's why. Or, but I'm going to try to keep the energy up, so I'm doing something <laughs> called methamphetamines. Uh, my, <laughs> How's my, that working yeah, out? My doctor, uh, in quotes, recommended it for me, and I feel great. And then, if you could only visually imagine, a tooth of mine just fell out. Um, yeah. So we let's get off of this stuff. I mean, some people complain about our uh, build-up intro before we get to the review, and I know I don't think anyone complains about that anymore. We got people a couple love of, this banter. Of emails. Um, but anyway, before we get to that, uh, being a Doctor Who podcast, even though we're specific to the classic era, we would we would do our fans a disservice if we didn't weigh in because they're all waiting to hear what we have to say about the new show. Uh, that just premiered, the new Doctor, the new showrunner, the new logo, the new intro, the new outro. There's a lot of new Dan 
And how do you feel about this Doctor Who? Is, are you a hashtag not my doctor? Or a hashtag finally the show's good again? Don't use that last hashtag. It uses too many characters. <laughs> you figure out your hashtags on your own. I'm not, this is not a podcast where we just tell you how to social media. Dan, what do you think? So uh, I got to be honest with you. I haven't watched any of it yet. No, I'm just kidding. It's great. Um, I think Jodie Whittaker is a fantastic doctor. I, so we start off the first um, first story without getting a new intro, not even a new TARDIS. It was a very interesting way to meet a new doctor. She crashes through the roof of a train, yeah. and uh, we don't get any of the normal stuff that we would, we would expect to get in uh, the introduction of new doctors. That was kind of awesome. It was awesome. It was. I love the. I love the fact that there was no intro. And, and, and for anyone that, obviously, most people that are watching it had seen the Christmas special that I'm sure it, so we know, yeah. you know, the reveal of her as the new Doctor happened at the end, and she falls out of the TARDIS. I didn't love that, to be honest with you. I remember that. I feel like that was kind of weird and corny, where she, the thing's yeah. exploding and she falls out. But then with this, with her just sort of falling through, and that's how it starts, was, was very good and well executed. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, it uh, calls to mind... Um, the third doctor just kind of falling out of the TARDIS uh, onto earth um, and then kind of not having the TARDIS for quite a while. Um, yeah. I know it's not really that thing because she at least knows who she is and, or is, is figuring it out as we've right. kind of, she does. She didn't do a lot expect. of judo, judo chops. Uh, she wasn't, no, you know, she wasn't doing the pert. We, uh, judo chops, but we, we, we don't want to spend too long on it overall. You, it sounds like you like it. You're happy. She's, she's exciting. Um, I like, uh, I, I always like to see how, especially in the newer show, um, how the new actor starts to uh, realize who the character is, how they want to portray it, and how they reconcile that with the previous doctors um, to that point. So, you know, I, th I think it gets a little goofy sometimes. I think uh, Matt Smith was a little goofy in his kind of regeneration. Um, uh, but I enjoy that. And I think she did, uh, she straddled the line between between being very goofy um, in figuring out who she was, but also getting right into the story. Um, the new companions seem interesting. Uh, I do have to say, and I said this in previous um, podcasts before, the amount of death really bothers me. I don't quite understand why the stakes for everything always has to be the ultimate, you know, has to be death. Right. It was. It's almost as if you had a a busload full of enjoyable, wonderful people that had just had a really good time, and then the whole bus is blown up, and they're all killed. It is just like that. Then we do get into the second. We do, at this point, I've seen the first two, so we get a the new TARDIS. We get a first proper adventure from start to finish. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to the rest of this season. Cool. Yeah, and I guess you kind of feel the same way. No, I would, I would say um, this may be my favorite uh, Doctor Who in quite some time. Now, I liked uh, David Tennant's probably my favorite, and I liked the Matt Smith stuff, and I liked the uh, Peter Capaldi stuff and all, but it never really lived up to the Russell T. Davies error for me. And that's nothing against Stephen Moffat, or and I still enjoy the show, and I love a lot of the villains, and it's still something I would have ridden, would have gotten on that, I would not gotten off that train for quite some time. But this feels so new and old at the same time, like the uh, just sticking with the aesthetic of it. I I love the thing I loved the most about classic Doctor Who and what hooked me. 
from the beginning was seeing those weird Tom Baker uh, classic episodes on on uh, you know PBS or wherever they were run, and you would see the closing credits and that spiraling oil-looking white tunnel into oblivion and then seeing the closing credits for this and it harkens back to all of that old 60s and 70s psychedelia almost was pretty much sold me but i love the show feels new to in the sense that like the cinematography is really really on point the it, it just it feels it doesn't feel not that the other stuff felt cheap or anything, but it it just feels really new and good, but also uh, holds on to the soul of the show. And I feel like she, you know, sometimes it takes a while, as you were saying, to get doctors to figure out who they are and to sort of hook on to them. I felt like she was perfect from the moment she fell through the ceiling. And I, and and the first episode was pretty good, but I felt like even the second episode was even stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, you know. We'll, not to, there's only been two episodes. Uh, there is the the character, the woman that is the police officer. I feel like she's a little yeah. bit underdeveloped. I don't know if you know. Sometimes I forget even she's there because it seems like the main focus is two of the other characters. But I love it. I'm uh, I'm all in. It's I'm having a ton of fun, and I haven't had that. I don't think that much fun since maybe all the way back to you know Matt Smith's first one where he's eating the fish fingers and custard, whatever that one, the eleventh hour or whatever yeah. that one was called. Yeah. That's all. So uh, I think that's enough. I think I've said yeah, enough. I agree. Oh, and I love the opening. The opening is really cool. So we get to finally see the opening in the second story, because as Dan mentioned, you don't get anything. It's just you're in the middle of an adventure. You don't even. And it's kind of cool, too. Structurally, she doesn't know she's the doctor. Therefore, the show doesn't know it's Doctor Who. You know, like you don't have an opening. She eventually figures out right, who right. she is. And now we're in the show starting with the second episode. Yeah, I mean, she's a really um, uh, resourceful character. I, I like that she makes her own uh, yeah. sonic screwdriver. It's, I mean, it's it. That was that part I, I didn't love. Like that was the one thing I thought it was a little bit like. Yeah, I get it. She's usually the alien. It's a little tag. magical that she can do that. It's a little magical that she can do it. But I'm willing to go along with it because I like what it does. What it says about the character. Um, it's it's kind of crazy that she would be able to do that with random components on Earth and some alien tech, and boom, she has a, a like super powered um, sonic. But I don't care. I like how that character works. For her to have cobbled it together, like, you know, Tony Stark making the first Iron Man suit with hammers and melt. Like, well, it, it should have looked a little, I felt like a little rougher. Like, it feels like it was, it's very smoothed out and whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it is in some respects. I mean, she was in, um, uh, you know, using the steel from that factory. She ported herself. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it's what fine. it was doing. It's all good. Um, I like the scene. I like the scene of her building it. I, I didn't mind that exactly. part. But it yep. was like, all of a sudden now, it literally does everything. They're falling into that thing where she's able to get readings on everything. And it's like, well, okay, you had one piece or two pieces of alien tech from this, you know, crashed spaceship or whatever. And then you're able the to transport. It was the transport. And it's able to yeah. do everything that it can that. do. Hey, is it any better or worse than Sonic sunglasses that were also able to do everything, including having a browser history? I mean, come but at on. least like at least so that was built. That. But you know what I'm saying? This was built with limited supplies. So it therefore oh. it should be a limited screwdriver until she gets a new one or until 
You know what I mean? So it was a little. It's, you're not saying it's fine. You're not saying you have a problem per se with the fact that the Sonic can do all these crazy things. It's that this particular one shouldn't necessarily be able to because she cobbled it together. Yeah, like Where, I understand they wanted to have her build something, and that was cool. Fine, but just have her still have the original Sonic. Or have it with, with in the second one. We see the TARDIS has actually built itself, which is interesting. Right. And I guess we'll figure that out. It could have built the screwdriver for her, and then which she they have done know in the past. The things that it did, right? I don't know. It's fine. It's all fine. That was the only thing that was because already she's used it in the first two episodes to do it any number of things, and it works perfectly. And it's well, like, well, I guess she tying this back to. Tying it back to Classic Who, I mean, that is why we went for so many years without a Sonic in the classic stories, because they ended up, the writers found themselves using it as a crutch. And I think we're very much in that era um, in New Who. It's just, it does everything you need to do in that given moment. So I'm not a huge fan of the Sonic per se. Um, but again, I like what it says about the character that she was able to put that together herself. So. Okay. All right. Well, enough of that, Dan. We've, ra- we've rambled on. Uh, like Robert Plant uh, has told us, uh, for too long. Uh, so let's get into uh, the Delta and the Bannerman. Right? <laughs> speaking, yeah, of rock and ro- speaking of rock and roll, uh, uh. let's go get on the magic bus and let's uh, hit the button. Please get me out of this. Hit the button. And then we will go uh, into the future. Or into the past. Come on, hit the button, Dan. Fine. Halt! Who's there? Surprise, surprise! Welcome, friends! A thousand welcomes! Funny way to welcome your friends. <laughs> we thought you'd been attacked by space pirates. Uh, now, about this toll fee. Toll fee? <laughs> Tonight is your lucky night, because you are our ten billionth customer. Did you say ten billion people have come here? Exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, um, about this toll fee. But, but you've won! You've won the grand prize. But what is it? I've never won anything before. You have won our fabulous 50s tour. A week, a whole week in Disneyland, planet Earth. And this time, they're going back to 1959, the rock and roll years. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, let's go, Doctor. All right, this is Delta and the Bannerman. Uh, This is the third serial in the 24th season, Dan. This is from November... 1987, uh, or somewhere around there. It is uh, directed by Chris Clow and written by Malcolm Cole. Uh, In our story, uh, the Doctor and Mel find themselves the winners of a contest that they weren't aware that they were entering, where they're the five billionth uh, customer or ten ten billionth or something. Ten billionth? Something silly, and they win a trip on, uh, on an old bus to travel to Disneyland in 1957 or somewhere around then. That's not not Nine. Important. Not important. Uh, meanwhile, uh, <laughs> they get involved in the um, uh, d- destruction of a people. Uh, it is a genocide of uh, a shimmering race. Uh, and so the 
the the last known egg of the shimmering queen has been sent on this bus, Dan, and they end up uh, hitting a, a asteroid. Uh, not an asteroid. No. <laughs> we mentioned we're both sick. Uh, we, they hit a satellite and they end up uh, on Earth where uh, two members of the CIA uh, were the old uh, comedy duo. Um, uh, if you liked uh, the, uh, the, the kind of the... I can't think of who are the people that Laurel and Hardy. I can't get through this. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is Doctor Who. What'd you think, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't finish that. I was I, I was like I'm gonna wing it, and I just I feel terrible. I don't feel good. So Dan, I'm gonna throw this to you. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, this story didn't make me feel good. Oh. I am. Uh, I had, a, I had a lot of problems with this. But really? on the plus side, there were a lot of things I actually really enjoyed about this. I thought the beginning of the, the first uh, episode of the story was, was actually pretty strong. I loved the very quirky characters. I loved the nostalgia tours, the bus driver, pilot, um, all the crazy people on the bus. They were super fantastic. I really enjoyed the Tollmaster um, when they land on that on that uh, the toll plaza and, and he's kind of giving them the whole spiel about uh, winning and, and where they're going to get to go, uh, the interaction between him and Mel and the doctor, I thought that was a lot of fun. So all the lead up to it, I really enjoyed. I didn't so much care for, you know, starting off the story um, in the middle of a genocide, uh, filmed on look what looks to be yet another quarry. Um, it's just, you know, the same thing that we've seen so many times before and you have no idea what's going on and it's not clear what the stakes are except that there's people shooting at each other. And again, it's this, it's, I have a problem with the scale. It's, you know, uh, a genocide of, you know, uh, a half a dozen people versus another half a dozen people. It just really doesn't feel epic in the way that it probably should. I mean, throughout the whole Bannerman is just a, is a, oh, you know, 10 people that are supposed to be wiping out an entire race. It's just, some of that stuff just kind of felt kind of um, silly to me. But, um, and then there was, you know, the, the side plots of the, the, the setting being in 1959 and they ended up in Wales instead. And what the heck are those CIA agents doing in Wales? Uh, it just made absolutely no sense to me. And then there's the love story that's going on between Delta and uh, the greaser, Billy. It just... It's just a whole bunch of different pieces that I never really feel like came together very well. Um, but some of those pieces themselves were okay. Boy, that, that was a rambling. That was a lot. Sort of but hey, you made a lot of what valid about you? points. What do you think? I loved this story. I thought oh, it was. No. I, I really did. No, no, I, uh, no, no, I was no. surprised to hear you even say anything negative about it. I felt like from beginning to end, it was awesome. Like, I loved the sense no, of humor. No, no. Yes, I, I don't care. I'll defend it. I will defend it. I, I, I thought it was uh, great. It's it's absurd. Um, yes. It's fun. It was just Somewhat. like a silliness, but it it was enjoyable. Like, I, I loved all of it. I loved, thought it had a really strong cast. They have the weird beekeeper guy who's talking to his bees. Yeah. And he was really cool. And as you said, the... You know, the th- a 10 billionth customer and how, how insane it felt like a... You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type universe that we're in, and sure. and the bus, and 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 even just the guys, uh, the bus driver. I think it's a bus driver that you see. He's like a gelatinous type creature that then goes through and gets turned into a human. 
so that they could go to to the 50s. And I loved the CIA team, even if the guy's accent was coming in and out, the Southern gentleman. I don't know why why are they there. Why are they in Wales? And then the, the telephone box rings and he gets a call and it's, hey, I just got a call from the president's right-hand man. Like, they had this whole vaudevillian, uh, you know, uh, comedy duo thing going on where I was stuttering trying to get out. It was uh, not Laurel and Hardy. Who's the, who are the people that hit each other all the time? Why am I having such a hard time? Three Stooges. It's almost like a Three Stooges. Like, <laughs> nah, what are you doing here? You go out the tent, see? Like, they had that whole thing. He's wearing the Yankees jacket because, of course, they're Americans. And that's going to let you know. But they're all, and like, I loved all of it. I loved the 50s vibe in that in Shangri-La and and the fact that he's, you know, the the uh, mechanic who's also got his guitar and he's on the thing and she likes him. You know, he's got the, uh, I forget the woman's name who was going to be a companion but ended up not being Ray. a companion. Ray. And she was great and the sock hop and I like the 50s and I like the choice of music. Like you actually had you know, popular hits redone for this show. And and some of the scenes, like, where, where they're doing... I think it's Lollipop is playing when they're raiding a thing. It felt a lot like... It didn't fit. There were elements of it that reminded me of some Lynch stuff, actually. Uh, mm, like his yes. love affair with the 50s and, and, and using music, yes. like those kind of musics over scenes that don't feel like they should work with that. Um, so that was just cool. I, I loved the fact that the Shimmeruns, you have like uh, the male males who end up staying green, and then you have females that look like these beautiful, you know, ice princesses or whatever. Um, I like that whole thing. I like the fact that she had uh, a baby, and maybe the baby looked like a weird puppet, and then all of a sudden it was just a baby painted green. And I couldn't figure out if it was. The scales of the creature, or was it uh, outfit? Because the guy, when the guy takes the jelly later, he's in the outfit. Now, is that supposed to be an outfit that he's wearing, or is that supposed to be his new skin, and they just were letting it go? It's just weird. Like, that that part was very strange, like, to try to figure out, okay, is this just, they just don't care, and they don't want it to really look like skin, or is it an outfit? And did he just take all his clothes off when he decided he was changing and then he's in that weird outfit? Whatever. I let all I I let it all go. Like I just felt like I could've I could've I could watch it again. I could watch it again right now. Like and the fact that it was three and not four, it was like a perfect length and it was just fun. I like I liked the whole biker gang bannerman thing with their dumb things and they're sticking their tongue out and like it felt like, you know, I don't know, throwback to like an old uh, 50s or 60s uh, like exploitation type uh, movie. The only thing that I didn't like was I felt like they didn't need to kill the entire bus. Like there's this, this mass murder that happens and then mm. no one really cares. And like the, the bus driver, I felt like was a great character. You know, he broke the crystal and all that dumb stuff. But he was every time he was on, I felt he was very fun. Uh, so that would be my only negative. But otherwise, I thought this was like I thought you were going to love it, to be honest with you, because I just felt like it was so much fun. It's so insane. Like, the queen, the girl... <laughs> he still trying to convince me. She's screaming, and it, she's got two settings. She's got pleasure and pain. <laughs> like, that's the two. And, like, it was just... It was awesome. I loved it. 
Oh yeah, we're my god! Sides. We're on different sides of the. Uh, there was so much about it. Like I said, there's individual things about it that I did like, and I love the absurdity. I love the insanity. You're right. That beekeeper is nuts. It makes no sense that he's there. Now, interesting. But it's Can great. I say something It works. Here? Yeah. Just interject. I, I don't mean to cut you off or talk over you, but you brought up the Go beekeeper, and maybe you're aware of this. I was not aware of it, but I, I must have been searching for something, and I, I came up with someone has a theory that the beekeeper is a doctor. He's an incarnation of the doctor, and Stephen Moffat even commented on it and said that he buys into it. And there's a line in Name of the Doctor or one of the shows where he says, I want to retire and become a beekeeper that ties back uh, into this story. Had you heard that? Well, no, I hadn't. But the fact, I, I thought there must be something up with him because he was so much of a... Um, I want to see him as more than just a plot device because he was obviously setting up the whole, you know, Queen Colony B parallel to trying to set up with the Shimmeron, and that that's fine. It was clunky, and I didn't really enjoy that. But the characters himself was awesome. But the the final shot of the whole story is the beekeeper seeing the TARDIS disappear, not being phased by it at all, and in fact, kind of smirking, like smiling in recognition of it. So yeah, there's I thought there. that there was something there that he was alien or something like that. Not that he's necessarily a time lord, but yes, I, I could totally see that. In time. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not love this episode or this storyline where there is a scene on which the Ice Princess Shimmerin, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah, I think uh, so. Is explaining the she just gave birth to this creature. Well, and the she story didn't. is so boring, it knocks Mel out. Like there's a cutaway and they cut over and <laughs> Mel's just sleeping and they're like, asleep. Let's just let her sleep it off. But it's like, yeah. how long had she been talking and Mel just passed that? Like, I was like, oh, there's so many great things like that. There's lots of little gags. Like where someone's reading about the bees or whatever, and they hardly reckon. Like, there's like lots of little sight gags throughout this whole thing. It's full of like comedy. I felt like anyway, and I feel like it's an intentional comedy. Right. No, I, I think the 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 tourists on the nostalgia tour they were really colorful. I, um, one of our one of our listeners did mention. Um, we come to this later. Um, it was kind of uh, akin to the Magical Mystery Tour, which is I love that movie. Absolutely love the album, and I love the movie Magical Mystery Tour. It's it is the right kind of bananas. So yes, that it has th those aspects of the story. I genuinely enjoy. Like I said, the first episode of the story throughout is 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 fun and interesting, and you have great characters, and they they go to. Um, the wrong place, they get stuck in Wales instead, and uh, you keep meeting these this changing cast of characters, but it just never came together. I'm, I love absurdity. It is honestly one of my favorite things when you can make it work in a way that hangs together, and this just yeah, did for me. How this do you entire thing could be done without the CIA agents. I don't think that they're, they were necessary for comic relief because there were so many other characters. No. If you hadn't killed the busload of people for no good reason, um, the the pilot of the bus was perfect for that that kind of uh, role in the story of just being comic relief. So we didn't really need them. They didn't provide anything. They were just in the way the entire time. And and I had to I didn't I didn't recognize these actors. Um, you know, looking up later, uh, the one that played Weissmuller, the one the one of the uh, uh, the Yankees jacket played nicely, nicely Johnson in uh, Guys and Dolls in the movie version. I mean, he's an actor that's been around forever. Um, apparently so was Hawk. And they're both Americans. I thought for sure the way they were speaking that those were not real American accents at all. But they were real. Kind of crazy. Um, I don't know. It, 
There were just parts and that didn't work. What was his accent supposed to be? Southern? Or yeah, it not? Didn't. Like, sometimes it was Southern, and sometimes it wasn't. And I was like, is he supposed well, to be, like, from the southern. bayou? But then, no, he's not. Like, it was a weird... They were so weird. And you're right. They, they, You could have taken them out of the story. They serve no purpose. None. Uh, they don't drive the plot along. There's no reason they needed they them. They get in the way. They actually get in the way of the plot. They, every time they come on, they slow the pl- plot down. Um, and, you know, it is good that this was a three-part story, and that seems to be what we're going to be settling on for a while. So that's great. At least it didn't <laughs> bring it to a, a grinding halt where we so, had a whole another 22 so much- minutes to try to fill because um, that's been a problem in the past. Uh, he just doesn't... They, they don't do anything for the story. They just didn't need to be there. That's just... <laughs> well, what, about, what about the part where none of, none of the Bannerman... I was going to say, none of the Bannerman stuff makes sense. So, like, you're talking about those two CIA guys. He kills people randomly, this C, uh, Bannerman guy. No problem murdering. He murders the guy when he tells him that they went to Earth to go to Disneyland. But then he doesn't kill the CIA guys, and he just has them watched... Nobody knows really why. Then at one point, he shoots up a flare uh, that is the signal to put them into this contraption device that ties them together. And the guy's like, "Let's uh, one, on the count of three, let's kneel down. Why Why did any of that happen? Why does the, the, the Batterman leader let the doctor just show up and then walk away with his hostages? It's at the season, yeah. season, I think it's episode yes. two cliffhanger, right? They all get their yes. guns pointed at him, and then it starts in season three, and they, or uh, season three, episode three, and they just walk away, and it's, that's, that's it. Yeah, there was, there was no reason that they should have been allowed, <laughs> although I, I love the absurdity of, uh, of the leader of the Bannerman, uh, Gavrock, just chewing on what looked like a, a raw a side raw of pork. Meat. Yes. <laughs> it was just disgusting. But that was kind of, I, I don't know, at least it was a funny touch this, to it. This is but a No, sto- no, there was no reason for them to be able, like, there were so many, all of those moments you pointed out, those are the things that kill the story for me, where there's just inconsistency. Why does he let them live? There's no reason for that. It's just lazy plotting to have those things exist. Why was the doctor allowed to, to get away with, <laughs> uh, he just says, you know, let them go and is going to leave with Mel and, uh, Burton, the head of the of Shangri-La, just fine. Just let him go. Even though they've all pulled guns on them, just let him go. There's no reason for it. Oh, there's a lot of that stuff. I mean, literally the first. And that kills me. Yeah, the first time Mel meets um, the Shimmerin' woman, she, yeah. she pulls a gun out on Mel, and Mel's still cool with like in a normal situation. Well, she she would have been like, oh. "All right, I got to get away from this woman. She's dangerous." But she's like, "No, nah, I'm cool. You can trust me." Like, Somehow they know about everything, too. There's another scene, I think, where uh, the um, the mechanic woman who's who's pulling out tools, why can't I remember her name? Ray. Ray, Ray and the doctor. The doctor finds her crying. And then that awesome assassin who's like, you know, I like to kill <laughs> for fun or whatever. He's like this great yeah. line. So that scene happens, and the doctor and Ray race back to find Mel and uh, the Shimmerin woman. And he yep. goes, the Bannermen are coming. But, like, they had, they have no idea who the Bannermen are. Yes. And somehow everybody's yes. on the same page. Now, Mel knows because, supposedly, I guess, we assume she was talked to about this off screen or something. But there's, sure. like, there's these lines, and this is the stuff that drives you crazy, where it's like, okay, everybody, the audience knows, therefore all the characters know who even the Bannermen are. I mean, I can kind of buy that... Um since everyone on the Nostalgia Cruise Tour is coming from the same era and time, 
they're originating from the same place. Maybe the Bannermen are a huge galactic threat because it was right there. The planet was apparently, you know, the planet of that the Shimron are from is really close to this port because they just fly right, right. to it. So maybe the, they are known in that in that area. So that's fine. But there's other things that are similar, like Billy, the uh, uh, the singer slash greaser, meets. Delta with the mutant baby and doesn't blink. Nope. He just like opens the door to come into the motel room. First of all, didn't knock, nope. just walks in. Kind of walks and, in. And it's just totally cool with it. Like, and that happens throughout. Like, there, there was almost no coaxing at all to get people to, to buy into things. There was one. I mean, they Burton, have to show they, him the, the counselor. Yeah. They have to show him the spaceship. So that that's cool. Um, but. It's just too much of that convenience that I don't. It doesn't need to plot along to get to those things, but we were filling out the time with all these unnecessary characters and side plot anyway. You could have at least made it a little bit more believable without losing the humor. Like I, like I said, I do. It doesn't sound like it at all from the way I'm talking yeah. about it. Um, I really did enjoy the the humor and the characters and the back and forth throughout this, but. I just wanted more plot to hang together and just get rid of the stuff that didn't need to be no, there. I mean, no. um, otherwise, this would have worked so much better. Yeah, I will say I 100% agree with all of your criticisms. I think you're spot on. I mean, it's full of like weird plot issues that don't re- or laziness. But I just laziness. felt that the the overall comedy and absurdness and just like it, it more than made up for it. Like I was willing to forgive all of this stuff. Just because it was so stupid and awesome at the same time. Like, just the fact that this guy's taking this jelly to turn into one of these <laughs> things. And, like, I just, it so, was so awesome. And I liked, I liked Ray a lot. And I read that she yes. was almost a companion and had this played out differently. Maybe she would have been. Uh, but I right. liked her and I, and I felt like I would have liked to have seen more of her, like, when she's pulling out the weird... There's like lots of little quiet, uh, funny beats, like where someone's like, "Oh, if you had this, you know, whatever socket set," and then she just whips right. it out, and it's just like, I liked all of that stuff. I thought it was right, cool. and 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 I actually I liked Ray a lot. She was the actual companion in the story, like you said. Mel was sidelined throughout, from falling asleep while the whole plot's being told to her, <laughs> to just being off doing nothing. Like she just didn't need to be there at all. So Ray did fill in that role to the point where. The, the love triangle or the unrequited love that Ray has for Billy and Billy's falling for um, Delta, the, the queen, uh, or the sole survivor. Oh, yeah. Can, uh, keep keep going, was, and then I want to come back to that point about queen. Sure. The the new musical coming out? Yes. Yeah. About Freddie. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Ray ended up standing in uh, as the companion throughout. So as you're seeing this unrequited love or love triangle that's going on between her and Billy and Billy and the surviving queen from uh, Shimron, uh, there's a lot of moments where Ray isn't the focus of the scene, but you can see her reacting, um, being, you know, crestfallen or hurt or, or pining for him. She's just doing a lot in the scenes. I, I think it would have been interesting to see her as an actual companion seeing how she did that role um, in this story. Yeah, and I felt like, you know, made sense. I didn't know that watching it that she was going to be, but as I was watching it, I was like, oh, they're, they're building to, towards that. Like, they were establishing yep. the two of them dancing together and all that kind of stuff, and you yep. can tell that the doctor respected her because she always carried things in her pocket and reminded him of himself and all that kind of stuff. But, all right, to jump back, because you mentioned um, Delta being a shimmering queen. 
I, I'm not actually sure they about that. They never really right? say, and it, it makes sense to me that she isn't. And I can back that right. up. Why? Because I think you're right. But I looked it up after, and according to like Tardis Wikia, she is a queen. Well, it seemed to me that the whole thing was setting up the whole analogies of the bee colony and that they had to feed the royal jelly, in effect, yeah. to the, the baby to make it become a queen. So yeah, I don't no, think she, Yeah, the baby is 100% I didn't think she queen. was. Yeah, baby's 100% right. a queen, and that they establish and they say that. Yeah. Um, but then she is as well? Yeah, but if you, yeah, as I'm saying, on TARDIS Wikia, it says Delta was a shimmering queen. Which to me doesn't make sense. Doesn't a queen Shimmerin have the ability to use sonic voices uh, for both warning and pleasure? Because it's only the little kid that ever does any of that. That's you right. You never see Delta doing it when she's in trouble or she's in. So if she was just a worker who's then rescuing the last queen uh, egg, and then she's going to grow up to be the queen, and she's got a set subset of powers that uh, Delta doesn't have, that makes sense. Plus, it's not weird when you think about how they're going to populate more Shimmerin if it's the same bloodline. If it's different bloodlines, right. then it sort of can make... Okay, they can make a baby, and then, that, you know, it sort of is a little bit less creepy. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, because they're talking about... No, I agree, because she talks about how it's <laughs> the, it's the singing time uh, for the kid. Um she says that she has those two settings, <laughs> high and low, <laughs> yeah. but that she'll learn eventually to control them herself. So you're right. Does yeah, if she Delta was a queen, have that yeah, why wasn't she not using her own power? Yeah, I don't know how that works. And then they make it such a, you know, they keep flogging the whole bee metaphor throughout the, especially towards the end, that the queen is going to develop, then a whole new colony is going to form around her. But now there's two queens, so I guess they're going to have to kill each other. I'm guessing. It ends in death. I'll wait for it part two. And, and they don't really have a male. I mean, you assume well, now they that they do. can... But do... Yeah, we don't know how that's going to end up. We're, we're assuming I think Billy he's ends completely up, yeah. trans, transition. And then he'll be... But will he, he would have be been better. Green? Will he just look like a, a lunatic that's all green? We don't know. We'll have to... Uh, that's what I would have hoped. I wanted him to actually turn all green instead of into the white jumpsuit. No, right. Then he's it wearing the white sense. jumpsuit. And then you're like, is that clothes? Because they show... Delta packing at one point, and she looks like she's got more white outfits, right? Yeah. So are they? It's just very strange. Is or it, maybe she was molting. She, that was all of her skin. She was molting. She just she just wanted to be tidy and bring it but with didn't her. Didn't you lose your mind when they showed that terrible looking baby that looked like it was from yes. the uh, the green baby, and then also they hard cut it like ghoulies. Yeah, they hard cut to the baby in the jumpsuit where they spray painted that poor baby's face green, and you're like, yep. they're just gonna go with this. All right, yeah. and then that was it. And then you kept seeing her in these outfits, and you're like, "Is that skin, or is that their outfit? Like, do they just not care?" Or you know, it was just it was awesome. And then they got they apparently ran out of their green paint budget because they just slowly well, they left stopped. that aside for a while. Like, we just don't want to go through the hassle. Which was okay because she's she's it's female, fine. so therefore she's going to lose her green coloring. Right. If right. it was a male child, she'd That's have fine. to get keep getting green. But then yes. to your point, well, once he starts taking it, he's getting lighter. He's not getting darker. I don't think it's about female versus male. It was the the royal jelly analogy. It's because they were feeding her that syrup well, or that, whatever it was. Yeah, that, that was supposed to accelerate her growth. But that's the thing that actually 
well, from the bee metaphor, that's the thing that turns the bee into a queen. Gotcha. So if they had not given her that, she probably would have stayed green, I'm guessing. All right, well, this doesn't make... No, I, I, I was because under the impression that uh, females would would look like her and males would be the dark green like we saw in the beginning. Was that her ex-husband or was that her husband that gets killed too in the opening? Now that we know it's a oh, baby? Maybe. It's a, I don't know. It's a very serious Here's plot. The thing, we though. have to get to the... <laughs> Bottom of their the whole thing biology. Is, we've spent more time talking about this than the writers. No, we got to keep it. talking about it because now is he going to transition into a female queen if he's oh. taking the royal jelly and that's supposed to? I like it. I, yeah, I don't know. We don't know. We'll find out. We don't know how it reacts with humans. He didn't know either <laughs> and didn't really care. Um, so the the setting was supposed to originally be 1957 because they were going to tie it into Sputnik and that was what was going to run into the bus. Um, but instead, they they moved it to 1959 because they wanted better music. So we actually got things like like Lollipop, yeah. like you said. There was there's actually a lot of decent. I loved um, all that stuff. Music they had rights, except for every bit of incidental music was horrible. Yeah. The entire third episode, when the Doctor and Ray are going from beauty spot to beauty spot in Wales to find where Billy might be with the, with uh, Delta, it's the same stupid music the entire time. Like in my notes, I have four different times how much I hate the music in all caps. And 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 as uh, as the leader of the Bannerman, uh, what's his name, Gavrock, is going around, you know, murdering people and setting traps, uh, and there's shootouts and people are dying, there's just this, this silly, like, happy music in the background that sounds really cheap. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds like it's entirely synthesizer-based um, trying to recreate 1950s sound and it doesn't work and it's grating and it's the same four bars over and over. It just, if there wasn't that music, I might have actually felt different about this story, but it killed me except for the actual use of real licensed songs. That was, mm-hmm. like you said, I actually had a moment as well where I thought how Twin Peaks this felt. And I think some of that was the surreality of the beekeeper character. Um, the music, actually, the music and the the leather jackets and everything. But there were there were definitely moments, independent of you saying that, that I thought while watching this was like it did actually have a yeah. Especially when the Bookhouse Boys made an appearance, that was like oh, that was so a strange. Little, I don't know uh, why they were there. Know but... He got that from that. Yeah, no, I I, I I agree with all that stuff about the music. I mean, <clears throat> it didn't really affect me as negatively as you. Maybe you know, I I remember it being sort of the instrumental stuff, not the the rock and roll songs. Yes. was like right. sort of you know whatever. Wasn't anything. It, that angered me, but it wasn't it wasn't great. Oh, just to, to uh, go back and tie up a loose end there, Hawk, the other CIA agent, the southern yeah. one, the actor is from Louisiana. He is okay. Well, then that just shows <laughs> I that I don't know what the accent is supposed crazy. to sound like. That's... No, because you're right. It it sounded so um, pronounced and exaggerated and put on, um, and then also. Uh, uh, Weissmuller is from New York, and he has this New York accent that doesn't sound... It sounds like a British no, person see, doing a New York accent. I thought he... I, he, I thought, was 100% American. Nope. I had no Did problem with that. Did not at all. The, th- the thing that I thought about the other guy was, it fe- to me, it felt like the <clears throat> the Southern accent went from um, regular, you know, Eastern... Generic, um, yeah. United States accent to a Southern accent. So I'm surprised to hear that he's from South, but I think it, it shows that I now just know. don't know what I'm talking about because we're Maybe. both from New Jersey and we assume what, what a you know what a Louisiana accent is based on people's bad accents uh, in film and television over the years. Um, but go, going back to the Sputnik thing, do you think that they had okay 
because an earlier version was going to be about Sputnik. They had cast those sure. two guys, and then they were stuck with those two guys, so they left the Sputnik plot line oh. in there because it's really dumb. I mean, it causes the bus to land not in Disneyland, probably because they didn't have the rights to shoot in Disneyland. Uh, in, <laughs> I'm and guessing. Into Wales, uh, which is fine. You could have used anything else. But other than that, you see the, the Sputnik-like satellite in the beginning and then at the end. Yeah. They get it back, yeah. and yeah, we did a great job. See, um, that's another part of the, those, that crazy plot that makes no sense, is that these CIA agents happen to be in Wales in that town oh, for no reason, and they land there. I hate that. I kept thinking that it was going to come out that they weren't CIA agents. They were just too... Because it was almost like they could have just been tourists who picked up a phone call and thought they were working for the CIA. Like, we just got a call, but it's like... Well, are they? Boy, that would have been better. Or were they just tourists that? And were you confused at all in the beginning because they're answering a police box? I'm like, okay, this is going to tie into the TARDIS somehow, or they'll see the TARDIS somewhere. But no, it was just they happened to be using a police box. Yeah, it's just one of the very few times in the entire original series that we see a police box that that is a police box. So that was nice to actually see that. But I liked your your. revision of the story right, where they're just random, two just guys two dopey guys two on bachelors on the road <laughs> yeah think that they're now they're cia agents that would have been actually much more and then if they had right. actually caused something to happen or they because they were looking right. for the satellite they triggered something like they they just watch what happens and right. then they get the satellite at the end like they're they're never really part of it yeah i do no. uh, jumping to another thing about how crazy this episode was how awesome was it the bee attack where they they fake that 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 someone's in the the honey room then they open the yeah. door for the honey room and then somehow all of the honey falls on them and breaks and they're covered in honey and then they get attacked that seemed a little far fetched I'm pretty sure that's not how it works yeah, but I'm not an uh apiarist But was there a bomb so in know. there like why did they get who was knocking the shelves over they just sort of opened well, the door and walked in, and all of a sudden the shelves started falling. There was the whole thing where the where Delta was able to hear with her antenna behind her ear mm-hmm. that they were supposed to go yes. someplace. It was the bees calling the bees her. Telling her. So maybe the bees and and the beekeeper saying, "My bees know everything." That was, it was very log lady. That's probably yeah. the thing. There was that a lot of that kind me. of weird stuff. Like yeah. my bees saw something that night. Like right, all right. of that so stuff maybe, was was in there. I mean, there is. I, I wonder if that's the whole the whole thing is that the bees are actually intelligent. Well, and you think the bees were, were literally pushing the. I and I what don't a know. what a sacrifice for the bees! How many bees died just to delay them? Because that's all it really did. It just bought them fifteen minutes. Because they eventually just show up with bee stings on their faces. I mean, we're worried about how they blew up a, bl- a bus full of tourists, <laughs> but really, think about the hundreds oh, or thousands a, of oh, bees that died. What a travesty! It's just a massacre. Massacre. Terrible. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know I can I can see why that you did not like this uh, storyline, <laughs> and I hope it's you can see favorite. why I love this storyline because it was it's out there. I mean, they went for uh, insanity and they they delivered. They just no see that's the thing they went for insanity and they could have delivered, but there were just those things that held it back. It, it's it's actually more frustrating because how close it could have been or how close it was to being something really good, and then just for me. It just didn't come together for that. Speaking of coming together, uh, 
the Beatles uh, band, uh, also a band, Echo and the Bunnymen. And this is named, named for the title, you know, as a play on Echo and the Bunnymen, it's Delta and the Bannerman. But why? I don't know. Okay. Is it, is it, was, it's intentionally, it's supposed to make a reference to Echo and the Bunnymen? Is that? Yeah. Well, you said why? that to me. You were like, are we going to have Echo and the Bunnymen as the closing song? I'm like, no, that would be silly. And then I, I saw. That, that that's written about so i, I guess the writer oh, actually whoever did, I, has said that that's why or somebody picked this title specifically because of echo and the bunnyman i did not read that but that's the thing that's always been in my head since i first time i saw the title in my head it was always echo and okay. the bunnyman i'm quoting now this I no is idea. this is from tardis.wikia this is uh, in quote story notes working titles for the story were the flight of the shimmerin and yeah. Flight of the Shimmerin. This was yeah. the title in place when the story was filmed. The final title wasn't decided upon until the autumn of 87. The title was a play on the name of a popular musical group of the 1980s, Echo and the Bunnymen. <sighs> I don't know why. I, don't know I guess it was just serves. like a random thing. There's no real reason for it. I mean, Flight of the Shimmeron at least makes a little more sense. Um, anything to do with bees would have been appropriate. I would have accepted yeah. that. <laughs> it could have been called the no. Wu-Tang Clan, you know? Oh, Killer like bees. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think we covered it, right? I mean, is there anything else that we we didn't touch on? The story. Um, yeah, I'm looking through my notes. I don't think there's anything else. I mean, the Bannermen themselves were just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the one still shot that I sent you of all of the Bannermen sticking out their red tongues while wearing their sunglasses, that's yeah. pretty great. I had taken I actually that, love that, that skill. Uh, I had taken that same screenshot, too. I think that I threw that on the on the Twitter feed asking for any more feedback from you folks, so you'll see it up there. It's just absolutely well, absurd. Yeah, I had sent In you the a best message. Way. I had sent you a message watching this, like how you would survive the gifts because every five minutes there was an awesome thing that I always want to see a gif of. It's just nonstop. It's so absurd. Like I'm just looking at the pictures now of her with that dumb green baby. And then you see <laughs> the poor no baby who's crying because they probably sprayed some terrible, like who knows how bad that green makeup was that that poor infant's on. You know, that is not FDA approved. Isn't it never grew out. Dumb. And the fact that the, okay, is it, Again, we're back on, is this clothes or is this skin? Because if it's supposed to be skin, they didn't even bother to cut the thing that ties it off. So you have like the little thing hanging where they, you know, the, they, the drawstring on the little hood on the dumb the hood. They're like, so it's, is it clothes? Uh, it can't be clothes. It's got to be skin. And why? Why did they not just take two seconds and cut, cut the drawstring? Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think I think we've 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 hit all the high we points hit all on this one, uh, and the low okay. points. Um, friends of the show or listeners of the show, we'll also try to put that. I sent you that I found on YouTube. There's a Delta and the Bannerman rap party from 1987 that someone on the crew had shot and posted on YouTube. So it's the party they had after they. There's it's not that great. I mean, it's I I sort of I couldn't take the whole thing. It's like 40 minutes. But they must have done like a live concert or something. So it's oh, basically nice. a couple of musical numbers. You get the guy that played the bus driver as the MC, so he's talking. But it's 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 interesting to see like the crew and stuff that that did the show. So it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you guys have heard uh, our thoughts on this story. Um, but thank you guys. You also gave us your thoughts. Um, so I asked you guys on Twitter um, 
if you can give us a little feedback on what you thought here. So let's check those out. From Twitter, we got uh, WJ Bird says, <laughs> this is where it came from, uh, Doctor Who meets Magical Mystery Tour. Remember back in 1987 is the story where McCoy era properly kicked in. Uh, they also loved the uh, the location filming and uh, the great cast. I think Ray was touted as a possible companion, and she would have been very good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, again, the, you've hit the, the the certain things about it that were very good, but again, for me, it just didn't come together. Anyway, came together. I'm not going to keep harping on it. We've, Sorry. We've, okay. We've discussed it. Please listen to Thank the previous you. two hours of us. <laughs> have I mentioned that I had issues? Okay. So. Uh, from our friend Christos Paddock says, uh, at its worst, this would be the Who equivalent of late season 80s sitcom where they all buy a hotel in the Bahamas. <laughs> but I think they just about pull it off and it works. I mean, it's just goofy bunkers. I could pontificate about its role in planting Who in contemporary UK, but deep down, this is just a fun pile of crazy cakes. Yeah, I agree. I agree so, with that. Yeah, if you like your crazy cakes, uh, you'll like this story. And uh, lastly, from our friend Paul Paranoid says, uh, although I've complained about the McCoy era a lot, I kind of love the TARDIS landing in a spaceport bit, which is just cool looking, and one I always uh, hoped they would do. But then it goes a bit summer holiday, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, it's a bizarre run um, of the Who era. So, yeah, I think we had a lot of, uh, everyone's kind of on the fence about it, understands the good and bad in this one. Uh, we also got an email from, uh, oh, yeah. this is an email from a first time uh, writer. Uh, to the show. Um, this is coming from uh, Paul in the UK. It says, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a few episodes. I'm really enjoying hearing what you have to say about Doctor Who, so I thought I would send in my feedback on Delta and the Bannerman. I'm not sure what fandom thinks of it, but in my opinion, it's one of the better Seventh Doctor Mel stories. The Bannermen are convincing villains, and Don Henderson is great as Gavrock, a mercenary who will stop at nothing to achieve his goals. I'm not sure what the CIA agents are doing in the story, but they add some humor. Uh, at three episodes, there's no padding either, and anything starring Ken Dodd gets the thumbs up from me. Cheers, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for Thank writing you, Paul. in. I really and appreciate I, that. And I agree about the three-episode thing. Like, I love that length. I mean, we've seen four-parters, six-parters, two-parters, but I don't think we've had many three-parters before. I think we, maybe we did one. One of the Doctor team-up ones may have been three. Right. And the previous McCoy stories have been three as well. So the last one was three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I so like that's, the that's, that's the pattern they're doing. I think it works. Yeah, very I, like, well. I like it. If that if it goes on like that from here on out, I'm happy. Which, if you think about it, New Who is about fifty to fifty five minutes. Um, so this, if you break it down, is about an hour. If you don't if you don't count the intro, outro, and the uh, previous scenes that they repeat a minute of, so it's about the same length as a current Doctor Who mm -hmm. story. So. I think it's a perfect amount of time. And lastly, we got something that Eric loves. Um, I don't think we've read this one no, before. No, new iTunes on October review, right? We got a new iTunes review yes. um, from the U.S. So uh, this one uh, is a five-star review by RFA fan that says, Refreshingly Honest. This podcast makes you feel as if you're watching Doctor Who with fellow fans who keep an open mind uh, but are not afraid to laugh at it every now and then. It's refreshingly honest, and I love that about this fun podcast. Good job. Thank you. So Thank you very much for the new five-star review. Eric can go on living. I love next, it. Uh, I get it buys me another day. I imagine yes, I'm in a basement and there's like a some kind of poison drip. And if I get it, they administer the antidote. Otherwise, I die. 
So no pressure. Just write so no those pressure. reviews, folks. Uh, but yeah, and, and for, for fans and listeners that are outside of the U.S., if you've left a review and we haven't re- read it, it just means we haven't known about it. And every month it tells us whether or not we uh, get an outside the U.S. store review. So if you haven't heard it yet, just wait and we'll eventually get to it. So I think that does it for everything. Yeah. Uh, what yep. do we have coming up next? Next up is Dragonfire, which I believe Ooh, this is the, is the next, one. next story uh, to follow this one, too. Yes. we're. I think we're doing all the stories of McCoy. We're doing all the ones that the, are on BritBox. I don't know that's right. if there's any that aren't on it that we're missing. That's right. And I believe this is the introduction of Ace Ooh. from what I was reading ahead by, by accident. Um, the actress who is going to play Ace uh, auditioned for the role of Ray in this story, but was instead given the, the role of Ace, who will then become a companion. Well, so it's a good thing cool. she didn't get that role because then she, uh, she wouldn't have been Ace. She would right? have been sad girl. That's um, kind of sad, though. Ace. Isn't that kind of sad to think of that actress uh, who's playing Ray to think you're going to be a new companion and then to to get sort of, eh, meh. She, meh. I guess. I guess that's that's what goes with uh, the acting game. I guess they're used to that. But I, I feel a little bad for her. I'm assuming she knew. She's just finding out now oh listening God, to our show. She's somewhere crying. <laughs> oh, what's this, a podcast? Uh, and she puts it on and just the tears... Are streaming down her face. What oh. could have been? She could be going to comic conventions uh, instead of the woman that played Ace. I think we're done here. I think we pretty much. <laughs> what, what just happened? Did something bad happened? I don't know. You just went silent and like just look in your no, no. eyes. It was like this. Yeah, all, the... I saw all of your regret, like all of it, just right there, right in front of me. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> Dragonfire. Watch it now. We will review it on November 14th. Write us in at the old Doctor Who show at gmail.com. You can tweet us at uh, TODW show. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at TODW show, or you can like our Facebook page at TODWS. That's it. We got nothing else. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everyone. And uh, thank you, Eric, for hanging in to the end of the show. I, now I, you can go die. I did it. I ho- I thank you as well because you're also sick. But you're sick. Peace. Skype is saying I have a porn network connection, but okay. Anyway, you have a porn network? Yeah, it's almost entirely porn. The network is entirely porn right now. Yeah.